Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. WFNZ Sports Radio 92.7 FM. It's the Wes and Walker Show continuing to talk about the Carolina Panthers coaching search. We did have Casey Steve also write in, though. He said, hitting guys in the neck is allowed now. I'm booking my flight to Charlotte to come see Fitty, LOL. You ready for those hands from Casey Steve, Fitty? Tell, tell him to get in line because there's a lot of people in the Queen City and surrounding areas that want a shot at little guy. How many? <laughs> yes, there are. Steve Smith at the front of that. <laughs> Steve Smith really came into our show yesterday and just said, we're going to talk about my beef or quote unquote beef with Fitty right now. That happened. That was awesome. And you can go check that out again. WFNZ.com. I saw you post the picture of you and Smitty mm-hmm. out there on social media. You got a lot of likes. It was good to see. How are you feeling just a day after having the Panthers legend come into the studio. I mean, I feel like, you know, we talked through it. He gave me some advice on, on, on how to let these players, when they're out there on their playing field, live their life and do what they want to do. I'm glad you brought that up. I was wondering if that advice actually soaked in or if you were just going to just dust that off your shoulder and then keep talking that mess. No, I mean, look, am I still probably going to talk that talk? I got a microphone. What else am I supposed to do with it? But I did listen to what the man had to say. <laughs> I just don't know if you're going to carry out the advice. What do you think he does? Do you think he eventually carries it out? And how happy were you to have Steve Smith come in? I know we also got a picture with him. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that was lit, man. He christened the show, in my opinion. Yeah, he came in, and uh, I felt like he likes what we're doing because we figured out that he is a listener. Mm-hmm. And so I think he wanted to come in and say, hey, guys, I'm feeling this. And, and if not, please don't call in and, and tell us otherwise. Just, let's, just let us live in this <laughs> fantasy land. If it's not true and you were just listening, that's fine. Just let let us listen and just let us uh, believe all of that good stuff. We also, but yeah, have some- I don't think he's going to take the advice though. Fitty's still going to be fitty. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. Um, couple of cartoon mentions here via the text line. Ren and Stimpy. Did you guys watch? Ren I and did Stimpy? watch that, and I did like it. It was pretty disgusting. Though. That was not something you could watch while eating breakfast. You know what? SpongeBob got that disgusting. Too. I didn't like. Sp- that's why I didn't like SpongeBob like that. The first three or four seasons of SpongeBob are phenomenal. And that's all I watched. And it lived forever. I mean, is it still going on? Do they still have new so, episodes? Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. Like Ren and Stimpy, they would do stuff like go inside somebody's ear yeah, something, and really show weird. the wax and, and they, all kinds of And yeah. they were very descriptive right. with the wax. Right. When, I mean, yeah. th- they would draw all of it, all the nasty stuff. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Somebody <laughs> wrote South Park. I feel like South Park doesn't Man, count. That, to me, that's just <laughs> mouth-breathing cartoons. <laughs> I feel like you would hate South Park more yeah, than anybody that was I know. Too nasty, but too much. I would think Fitty would love South Park, and yeah. he's not, and I'm not the first one to have told you that before, right? Yeah, pretty much everybody that knows me tells me I would love South Park, mm-hmm. which is just a defamation of my 
uh, integrity in my character. That is right up your alley, fifty. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> he just he just said that cartoon is for mouth breathers, and then he said it's up your alley. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a pretty big insult. It's amazing. Um, I've I've watched like in passing, like you now the Office comes on Comedy Central, so sometimes I'll turn it over there before or after the Office comes on. But I've never watched an episode from start to finish. Yeah, the first one, the first episode might be the best. Family Guy is like time. the adult cartoon that makes me like. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, and I'm not an avid watcher, but when I do watch it, I'm just dying laughing. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. Family Guy, it was absolutely hilarious. Another adult cartoon I don't feel like is talked about a lot. What about Beavis and Butthead? 737 number wrote that. Yeah, that was... Um, that was before my time a little it bit. It was, but I, I didn't watch it that much. Sometimes I would watch it maybe you know spurts here and there but i wasn't a big beavis and butthead guy yeah I wasn't but it either. is legendary it's iconic yeah, for sure. it, i mean i guess so I, i'll see some t-shirts every now and then but i don't know if i ever what about what about the simpsons do you consider the simpsons an adult cartoon oh yeah i watched it as a kid though growing up yeah, i watched it as a kid too well but but you didn't get in a lot of the jokes i mean because a lot of the jokes are very you I mean you got to be an adult to get a lot of that stuff <laughs> speak si for yourself yeah. i knew at six straight what was going on you were very sophisticated <laughs> you used sophisticated as an insult to aaron Rodgers. i remember that that anytime i think of sophisticated now or that word pops up I go to you ranting against Aaron Rodgers and using that as an insult. Like he, that that is one of the worst things you could say about a person is someone being sophisticated. I mean, does I guess I guess I should have said arrogant sophistication mm -hmm. because I don't think that guy. I think that guy talks out of his ass more than any human in the history of humanity. He probably does. King of the Hill is phenomenal. <laughs> do you guys watch King I of the Hill? I couldn't do that one. You didn't? Did you not like? Oh, because of Bobby Hill. Simpson yeah. was the only. Simpsons adult is, cartoon that I watched on Fox. No, Simpsons is great. Love King of the Hill. Fitty got mad at me for just bringing it up, and then he <laughs> gave me the middle finger. That's just what happened there. And I guess that's because people are going to bring up Bobby Hill. Finally, Boondocks. Boondocks pretty funny. I wasn't a Boondocks guy like that, but I'm familiar. There's a couple of episodes. I didn't watch it all the time, but that was pretty funny as well. Feel free to text in 704-570-9610. What coaches slash parties are hurt most by this entire coaching search dragging out? And I think we can go to Carolina if they want Sean Payton. With this dragging out a lot longer, I think Carolina, if they want Sean Payton, is one of the parties hurt here. And I know you don't necessarily think so. I, I think that's right. But for me, I think Denver being a big player, with them having the richest owner in the NFL right now, and then them possibly being interested, although there are reports now that maybe Sean Payton's not the top choice, but if he is, then they could play ball with David Tepper all day long. And I think you could talk yourself into, quote unquote, fixing Russell Wilson if you're Sean Payton. And if you were maybe a, a top five pick away from getting a Stroud or, or getting a Bryce Young, maybe Sean Payton would value the Carolina Panther job more. I don't know how much he values Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or even if he's done his homework on those guys quite yet. Maybe you would package up some of those assets to move up and get Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Like, there are ways around it. I just feel like the more this drags out, I do think it hurts Carolina to go get Sean Payton. And I even think the likelihood of him going back to TV, it gets higher and higher, just like Jeff Duncan tweeted. How do you think, the longer this plays out, who do you think is most affected? Uh, see, I think with the Panthers, I'm not sure that they are hurt the longer it drags out because I think that may not sound right or may not be right, but they have Steve Wilkes in their back pocket. Mm -hmm. So they know, like, if we don't get Sean Payton, because in my mind it's those two, they're like, well, if we don't get Payton, we have Wilkes, which is the, the people's choice. 
And so we're going to make a good decision either way this thing goes. So I think for the Panthers, they're in an advantageous situation because they know that either we can hire the people's choice and a guy that we do think is more than capable of leading this franchise or we're going to hit the home run. So either way, you know, in baseball terms, they can either hit the home run or they're going to get a guy that's, you know, third base in their mind or something like that. So, um, but as far as just the parties that are hurt the most, I think maybe some of the, the younger coaches, the coordinators who are up for jobs, you know, could be hurt by this because mm-hmm. I think the Panthers, again, if my scenario plays true, then the Panthers would go with Wilkes if they don't get um, Sean Payton. And then Denver, if they hire Sean Payton, and then there might not be as many desirable locations for some of these new coaches to grab. Maybe some of these guys are hoping that they can get to Denver, get with the Russell Wilson, get with the good defense, get with the organization that has shown stability, or get with the Panthers, who a lot of people feel like is the top vacancy. So I think some of those guys may end up in some situations that they don't want to be in. I don't know how it affects Steve Wilkes. Because if you're Steve Wilkes, I am thinking about the feelings of him, right? Like yeah. what he's going through. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things as far as whether he would accept this job. Because at the end of the day, even if it takes a longer time to get to Steve Wilkes being the head coach, I still think he would accept that job. The players want him. And at the end of the day, there's only, what, 30 jobs. And Steve Wilkes getting hired to be the head coach of the franchise that is here in his hometown. I think eventually he would accept it anyway. If you're Steve Wilkes, it's hard to get mad at the Panthers pursuing Sean Payton because of the resume that he has. Like, I get it. That guy has a Super Bowl. He's been to the playoffs a million times. His offense, while always having Drew Brees with these successful offenses, he would always adapt. You would always be successful, whether it was in the 2000s, whether it was in the 2010s. Sean Payton had a pretty good team. If you're Steve Wilkes, I could see you getting mad about these coordinators, though especially with their inexperience with them only having one or two years of good play calling, because remember Kellen Moore, he's actually one of the older guys or one of the more experienced play callers when considering a Ben Johnson or a Shane Steichen or a Mike Kafka. I mean, Kellen Moore has been doing this for a little bit longer and he was a hot thing after one year. And then it kind of fizzled out as maybe defenses started to learn a little bit more about that offense. It's why we talked about Ben Johnson, possibly needing to strike while the iron is hot. So if you're Steve Wilkes, I get you being frustrated with Ben Johnson. And now all these other guys are getting looks. You know, it it was already rumored, too, that David Tepper was enamored with the Lions play caller in Ben Johnson. So now you're already going to be third choice. If it's Sean Payton, you don't land him. Okay, maybe you can understand that. And then it's Ben Johnson. At the end of the day, you're the third option. Man, how are you feeling if you're Steve Wilkes? It doesn't matter how you're feeling if you're Steve Wilkes being the third option if you do end up getting this job. I think the thing is with him is he's just going to cast that aside as far as just the owner. He's like, man, you know, whatever the owner thinks, because I think that for Wilkes, this job is so special because of what it means. It's full circle. He started his career coaching at Johnson C. Smith. So to become the Panthers head coach, you can't get more full circle than that in the town that you grew up in. And I think for him, that trumps all. And I think he's just like, just give me that chance and let me show you what I can do. And I think that you see a lot of situations like that in life and in many different career fields, people who might not have been the top choice that ends up being the best choice in the long run. But I think for Coach Wilkes, I I just don't think it matters because to him, I think – 
the most the respect of his peers and the respect of the players means a lot to him as well. For him to have guys like Thomas Davis and Kurt Coleman and Greg Olson coming out saying hire him, I think that's what matters to him uh, more so than what Tepper thinks and what Tepper wants. And so for him, you know, I just think that he is all about being able to be the hometown head coach. Well, and Kurt Coleman, an original Thieve, I think that was put out there on Twitter, but a part of Thieves Avenue 2015 career year here with Carolina as a safety alongside Josh Norman and all the guys you think of in that secondary. He said that the Panthers need to quote, stop playing and hire Steve Wilkes. Mm-hmm. Just another example of a former player, whether it be Greg Olson, maybe Steve Smith, now Kurt Coleman, or a current player, what we've heard, Shaq Thompson, Brian Burns, Derek Brown. All these guys want Steve Wilkes to be the head coach. Do you think that the Panthers are taking too long with this process? Are they overthinking this? How do you how do you think this hurts Carolina? Again, kind of sticking with the conversation as long as this drags out, do you think they're just overthinking for overthinking's sake and they really need to make a decision already? I, I do think the text that does bring up a good point about this whole Shane Steichen angle in this. Um, because I feel like if the coach did, I think that they're going to make, like I said, the godfather offer to pay. But I do think they're also waiting around to see. Because I think at this point, if I don't know what Peyton has told them, what type of vibe they got from him, but they may still think that they're in a mix for him. And I think that if they're not, they would just, especially the minute that Peyton tells them no, or I don't know the vibe that they got from him, so then they can say, okay, if my theory rings true, they can just say, okay, Wilkes, let's go. You get it. We get the announcement. We're talking about it all over the place. Whereas now, I think they may be sitting there saying, well, Peyton doesn't get it. We're going to wait for Shane Steichen to finish up. Then we'll interview him, and then we'll make a final decision. I could see that type of scenario being plausible as well. If Steve Wilkes doesn't get the job, Shane Steichen is my next favorite option outside of Sean Payton too. I, if, if it comes with trading two first round picks, the debate that we've had quite a bit, then Sean Payton is not on the board for me. I'm just not doing it. Well, you might as well just take him off the board for me. Yes. Especially with the NFC South tech. Yeah. If, if it's, I mean, even a first round pick, I've said that I'm not giving up two. I'm not giving up one. So Sean Payton's probably off the board for me altogether, even though I understand how good of a coach he is. I'm still going to take my shot with having both first-round picks, at least having the number nine overall selection. And if it's not Steve Wilkes, Shane Steichen is my next favorite candidate here because of what he's done in Philadelphia. Because we've seen it now attached to two different franchises. I value developing a quarterback more so than even just play calling, even though I understand its importance too, and he's done a good job with Philadelphia. But I don't hold it against him that he has all this talent. I think the offensive line allows you to do a lot. I'm not getting it twisted, but AJ Brown, Devonte Smith to have both of them eat as much as they have, keep both of them happy with Jalen hurts. The guy that needed to be a better thrower of the football and became that this year. That's impressive work to me. Nick Sirianni doing a great job as the head coach, but this is someone that came from the chargers to Philadelphia. So he's gotten in both systems working with young quarterbacks, Justin Herbert and Jalen hurts. Both are MVP caliber players, maybe in their future. Certainly with Herbert, definitely this year with Jalen Hurts until he went out with that injury, the shoulder injury that he suffered. Man, I like Shane Steichen if it's not Steve Wilkes. What say you? There's a lot to like there, and everything you brought up are definitely sterling points that will help him uh, to become that candidate that maybe the Panthers want or other teams as well. I think a head coaching job is 
in the cards for him somewhere, not being punny with the card knows, but I think for him uh, being a head coach in his future, I think there are uh, more than a couple of teams that are waiting to see what happens with him. Um, we did have somebody text in. I hope we find a coach soon. I'm sick of hearing this all day, every day. We got to keep you updated. Stay well, with us. Maybe you need We're to gonna, find something else to do. <laughs> this is what this is what we got to talk about. We got to talk about the coaching search <laughs> because I have no clue who is going to be coaching my favorite NFL team here in this city. And right now they have quite a bit of interesting options, whether it be a young coordinator, whether it be someone maybe a little more established or whether it be someone very established in Sean Payton. And you have to give up assets in order to do it. Feel free to text in 704-570-9610. Let's talk about the Charlotte Hornets. Their loss to the Jazz last night. But Mark Williams continues to shine and Terry Rozier is a part of some more trade rumors. We'll get to all of that in just a moment on Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Giving Fitty dating advice during the break, trying to get him out here in the streets rather than just watching college football, college watching basketball Baylor all the time. Kansas. Yeah, we, we, whoa, it's been... whoa, Baylor in Kansas. That was fun ball <laughs> last night. I was juiced. You were offended by that. You said, "Whoa, Kansas Baylor, come on now." <laughs> My sport, man. <laughs> that's that's something worth skipping a date for. Yes, watching that college basketball game. See, that's the problem, man. I mean, I, I love it too, but you can record that stuff as well. If Baylor, Kansas is that important, you can record it as well, yeah, right? They have extended highlights. You can watch the game in 20, 25 minutes, all that. And I don't want you to hate sports. I don't want you to just lose your value, lose your love of basketball. I don't want any of that. But you act like you got to watch those games nonstop all the way in Big 12 country. We don't have Kansas Baylor on the rundown. You can know about it when we mm-hmm. talk about it come tournament time, that's and that'll right, be valuable. Baby. See, I'm already preparing for March because that's what I do. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I'm i wanting to have a little show before the tournament starts. I got to know about these teams, man. That's true. And it's because of the work that you do in January that will leave you prepared for March, although I will be interested. I mean, it's kind of like John Rostein says, we sleep in May. <laughs> I do like that. Uh, you're, honestly, I'm not going to blame you in March if you don't go out of the house. I'm totally going to be. Uh, I'm I'm with you on that, at least for the weekend. Thursday through Sunday, you don't have to leave the house at all. But that's what we've been talking about. By the way, it has been a while since we've had the dating, not even advice, but just the dating combos with you. Yeah. Mm. It used to be something that we would do, I don't know, at least once a month. It's probably been a couple months since we had a conversation like that. It's been a couple months since I've had a conversation with a female. Well, I didn't mean to go that route. I didn't mean to throw you out of the bus there. Yeah. I'll, I'll take blame for that, to be honest with you. You can punch me. It's okay. Like We, we have a we have a five-minute punching window for you as, as it's okay. As we've talked about that before, maybe that one is a situation where it's okay. 704-570-9610. The Charlotte Hornets, they lost to the Utah Jazz 120-102 last night. They play Phoenix tonight. You can catch that game here on Sports Radio, 92.7 FM. But really the interesting part about this game is the fact that both of these teams are mentioned in rumors about trading with one another. So Phoenix has been rumored to be interested in Terry Rozier. Emmanuel Quickly and Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors. So with Terry mentioned in that group, you can I'm make a big a, Terry guy. You can make a case that Terry is the most valuable 
at least offensively. Fred Van Vliet turns into into Devontae Graham with inside the three-point line, and he's not even hitting three-point shots this year. Defensively, he's a menace, but offense has not been there so much this year. The Knicks are reportedly not very interested in giving up Emmanuel quickly. Is that the right call for New York? Would you be interested in giving him up? Uh, absolutely not. He is a walking bucket off the bench. He's the only Kentucky player in my lifetime I, I've actually liked watching play professionally. Strong words there from Fiddy about Emmanuel quickly. So Terry Rozier would be the guy that might be most interesting for Phoenix. What say you, Wes, on how a Terry trade could work if you look at Phoenix do the whole trade machine thing or just are kind of coming up with thoughts looking at that roster? What do you think about the idea of trading Terry Rozier and as it pertains to these Phoenix rumors? I don't mind it. It just depends, obviously, what you get back. Now, what type of picks is Phoenix going to offer? Because when you look at the roster and the salaries, I mean, you have to match Terry's $21.4 million. So, when you look down their roster, I mean, Mikael Bridges, they're not going to give him up, surely, right? Right. Uh, he would be exactly what the Hornets need as far as a 3 and D guy, a guy that's going to bring it out there on the wing on defense, but they're not going to give him up. He's one of their championship pieces. I mean, Jay Crowder, it seems to always get traded, always be popular for what reason, I don't know. Uh, so you have him. <laughs> Landry Shamit's making nine and a half. He could be a, a decent piece, but I don't feel like he's done a ton since he's uh, left. Oh, I forget what. Oh, the Clippers. Well, he's, Clippers, he's bounced he around now a little bit. Yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah, and, and, and then, yeah. you know, you look at Sarge, Payne, Cam Johnson. I mean, Cam Johnson could be a decent player to bring back. But Cam, Cam, well, they're not trading him. Cam Johnson's awesome. That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. So, so what are you going to get from them in return? I feel like as, as well – it's only right. I feel like Bismack would be a throw-in somewhere in there. I think <laughs> they would just throw him in there just because. Well, it's interesting you bring up team, bring him on home, guys. Because I got a crazy one for you. Okay. What about Chris Paul? So here's the interesting thing about Chris Paul. Normally, you would look at the Suns' payroll and you'd say, oh, no, $30 million in 2023, $30 million in 2024, 2025. 37 years old, numbers are at an all-time low for Chris Paul. No thank you, especially since he's on the books for the next two years. But it's not all guaranteed. So right now he's making $44 million to come guaranteed. If you bring him on and you waive him really around draft time, June 28th, 2023, then you only pay him $15 million guaranteed. The rest you don't have to pay him. If you decide to keep him, let's just say that you bring him on the payroll. You value Chris Paul, the veteran leadership, the good old culture change type of guy that we saw in OKC. And we kind of saw in Phoenix, to be honest with you, with them getting to the NBA finals. You value his pairing alongside LaMelo. You want to bring him on for one more year. You could have him play one more season. And then you could waive him if you wanted to by June 28th, 2024. And you wouldn't have to pay all the rest of the money for that one year. Books are free. Chris Paul makes some sense to me if you're talking about a Terry Rozier trade. I don't know about the draft picks. That depends on how much Phoenix values Terry Rozier in the post-Chris Paul era of the Phoenix Suns. The draft picks are going to have to be a part of this. But I think Chris Paul bringing him on home, that would be interesting. Fitty, you're making a stank face. There are three games out of fourth place in the Western Conference. Like, How likely are they to make a move? Because don't we believe when Phoenix is healthy – they're going to be a, uh, we're going to have more faith in them in the playoffs than Sacramento, who's in third place, New Orleans, who's in fourth place. 
I mean, Dallas has Luka, but I think we would trust the Suns collective as a whole more, right? <laughs> well, I mean, not la- not last year. I mean, last year they came out flat, and we saw what happened in that game seven. But I mean, Dallas spanked them in game seven. Yeah, they they they, they did. I, I just, I mean, they're twenty four and twenty four. If they were under five hundred, I would say okay, maybe there's a, leg- a legitimate chance they blow it up. I don't think Booker's the type of guy that could carry them to where they want to get to this season, which is a Western Conference final. But they're not going to blow it up. Chris Paul is the guy that is the biggest difference with this Phoenix Suns team. If you look at his numbers last year, I mean, they were awesome. It was a lighter version, but still a very efficient and fantastic basketball player in Chris Paul. Now, I mean, they're just not the same. And you can see it. I mean, you can watch Chris Paul play for Phoenix. And at some point, Father Time is going to set in and set in something serious. And that's what it's done this season. I, I still value him as somebody that can be on a roster for sure. He's not a scrub right now, but he's not even the Chris Paul that helped them a lot last year. I mean, he's it's different. The guy's approaching 40. And if the Phoenix Suns were willing to move off of him, of course you keep Devin Booker. Of course you keep Bridges. They did keep DeAndre Ayton after all of the rumors of him possibly going to Indiana, yeah. right? We, we knew all that saga. Interesting trade talk aside, I think it would make some sense for Chris Paul to come on home. What would you think about your former Demon Deacon? Well, the thing is, from a basketball standpoint, as far as on-court impact, I don't know that it makes a ton of sense with as much as he gets hurt. But when you're talking about locker room change and things of that nature, and as far as being a mentor for LaMelo, I think that would be tremendous. That would be one aspect of it that would be tremendous indeed. It would be. We were talking about the vibes earlier on Locked On Hornets, like what kind of vibes Chris Paul would bring. Sometimes you could view it as the OKC or the Phoenix Suns change in culture for the better. But we also know that Chris Paul has been notoriously one of the harder players to get along with on the court. Mm-hmm. And so if you go to OKC, you have the example of SGA becoming a dog. And I think they had a pretty good relationship. Chris Paul has been very vocal about his love for Devin Booker because apparently Devin Booker is about that life. And we know that Phoenix actually got to an NBA Finals. They lost, but they actually got to a Finals with him at the helm. The Clippers, it didn't work out so well. And we know that there were some problems with DeAndre Jordan, Chris Paul, how sometimes those guys didn't get along on the court because he is so demanding. So with LaMelo, that's the only thing that you worry about. Chris Paul being a guy that has the basketball in his hands, I think both of them can play alongside each other. And it's it's just basically an overall take for me about LaMelo. I think he can play with everybody. I think he's that good. His catch and shoot numbers are very good. We've seen that. So I'm cool with him playing alongside anybody in the backcourt. I, I actually include Chris Paul in that scenario. I was just going to ask, like, like let's say this just we live in this fantasy world where Chris Paul's a hornet, and Lamelo can't coexist with him. Does if that, that happens, yeah, with, yeah. Does that say more about Chris Paul being just a, a hard guy to play along with, or does that maybe make this organization rethink about Lamelo's status? You know, I mean, not in terms of investing in him. But understanding that maybe he isn't the alpha, the omega that we thought he was or what we want him to be. Well, it's going to be hard to be the alpha with Chris Paul on the roster. But the other thing is you have some flexibility despite the staggering number that showcases itself on the basketball reference page. I know it's hard to get past that, but once you see the details, it's okay. And so once you get past that, you can move on from Chris Paul. Like you're not investing in him, right? This is part of the reason we're talking about bringing him on board. It's because you might have that flexibility. If he was locked in, if those two years were fully guaranteed, no, I'm not bringing him on. I mean, at that point, that wouldn't make any sense because I do want some free space on the payroll. 
But we don't know how quick this turnaround, if there is going to be a turnaround, we don't know how quick it would be. So you, the, the idea is you get Wimby or maybe a Scoot Henderson if you don't get the first overall pick, which still the odds are in the favor of second, third, fourth, or whatever. That's just how the odds are going to play out. Mm-hmm. I don't know how quick it's going to be. I don't know what they're going to do with P.J. Washington. I don't know what they're going to do with a lot of these other pieces that are either foundational or not, and that would allow you some flexibility. But it's not guaranteed for Chris Paul, and I think that's what makes this interesting. Yeah, I think it is as well. Will it happen? We'll see. I think that would be very intriguing. And then it would just play into just in this city never being able to get guys in their primes. I mean, it's like, why would we get a Chris Paul on the other side of things? Like, that would stink. Like, having a a generational – just NBA iconic player like that and to get him at the end of things when it's starting to wind down, that would just really stink. And just speak to just in this city, we just get screwed. <laughs> Bagel guy wrote in, <laughs> so you won Chris Paul just so he could sit next to Gordon on the training table. That's fine. It really is. Because this team needs, uh, they need a little bit of a dog in there to, to shake some things up. Well, and and I think that's part of the allure here. It's it's the fact that you would have some kind of leadership, and as much as we joke about Bismack Biombo bringing him back, I'll go back to those players crediting him, man. Yeah. Lame- I mean, LaMelo, the star player, credited Bismack Biombo constantly for being someone that they could rely on. You know, Hancock wrote in, asked for Cam Johnson in return. He's too good. I mean, Phoenix is not going to get rid of one of their younger players that is nope. exactly what they need. Good three-point shooter, long defender. I mean, But they got to give up something. I mean, Terry's no slouch. You got to give me something. So back. that's where picks would come in. But they're not But they're not going to give up DeAndre Ayton. They're not going to give up Mikhail Bridges. They're not going to give up Booker, of course. And Cam Johnson would be very hard. I mean... I guess there's a possibility, but that would be very hard to give up, and I doubt they would do that. I would lose my mind. Dude, I love Cam Johnson, too, man. He, he has the best shot I think I've ever seen. I said this, ACC guy in West Bryant. I think Cam Johnson, the year that he played for North Carolina, mm-hmm. he was everything Cam Reddish was supposed to be. Yeah. Like, when Reddish came to Duke, they were hoping for the numbers that Cam Reddish gave North Carolina. But oh, it was actually Cam Johnson Reddish. gave North Carolina. Yes, Oh, yeah, sorry. Cam Johnson gave North Carolina like that. He was what Cam Reddish was supposed to be. And I love the potential of Reddish. Like they talk about him like it's folklore with how he would destroy guys in high school. But Johnson is the one that played well and then got mocked by a lot of NBA draft analysts when Phoenix made him the 11th overall pick and absolutely worth it the way he's playing. Yeah. And so for me. That's the guy, though, I pinpoint because I do feel like, like I said, Terry's been a 20 point scorer in this league. Uh, he's having a career year as far as points per game, but not necessarily the efficiency isn't where you want it to be. But for my money, I'm like, still, this is still a trade. I want yeah. something back, even if you do give me some picks. But, you know, I feel like that the Suns are in a position they really want Terry. They really need him to try to make that run that they want to make. And so I'm like, man, for next you year, you mean, or two years from now that you would want Terry for a run? No, no, no. I'm saying that Phoenix wants him oh, to make right. the run this year to be in contention to potentially get back to the finals. So I'm like, you got to give me something. I'm giving you a guy that's averaging 21 points per game. We know what he can do on catch and shoot. We know that Terry, fourth quarter, he's not scared to take shots. I mean, this is a guy that's going to come in there and be a player for them. Yeah. So you can just send me back a, a can of beans. Right. Like, give me something. Yeah. Give me. Yeah. So Cameron Johnson would be my focal point. I'd be like, listen, we want him back because the Hornets do want. You're also trying to insulate LaMelo with young talent that he's going to feel good about going forward. And this is a guy that they could get 
there will certainly be a, a, a future piece for a franchise. No, it's a good point, it's especially, too, if you're talking draft picks with Phoenix, the idea is maybe what Fiddy was talking about. Well, you have to trust them because they have all of this talent. But not only the Eastern Conference, we focused on that, being here in Charlotte. We've talked about how great the Eastern Conference is this right. year. Man, the NBA as a whole is awesome. I mean, even the Western Conference is extremely tough, and you might look at Sacramento being up towards the top and then just kind of scoff at it. They're good. Oh, yeah, they're fun, too. They're awesome. And so when you see Sacramento being a legit contender, at least in some kind of Western Conference capacity, you look at Phoenix fighting for their life, especially with some of the injuries that they've suffered. If you get a first-round pick, you might be you might get real lucky with Phoenix finishing way far down on the list than originally expected right. and get a lottery pick. As crazy as it seems, man, the Western Conference is good. Adam Silver, I, it, it's funny. I've gone back to this a couple times. Adam Silver has to be as happy as as he ever could have imagined this season, considering he was sending out memos to franchises for them not to tank. And now you have all of these contenders that are looking to buy more than to tank for a generational prospect possibly to be had. It could not have gone any better for Adam Silver. It had somewhat disastrous scenario if everybody was trying to bottom out and then lose intentionally. Great. We have this huge problem on our hands. The integrity of the game is extremely compromised. That's not happening this year because everybody can see the goal, and Adam Silver has to be thrilled with what's happening. Parity is always going to be great. The NBA playoffs looks like it's going to be just phenomenal. As you said, potential stars everywhere. So, yeah, but I think the Hornets need to try to make the most. If they do end up trading Mace and trading Terry, they need to try to get the most out of that and at least get a couple of guys that you can go forward with. The the playoffs are going to be phenomenal. Let's get back there here in Charlotte. It'd be fun to see the purple and teal back in the postseason at some point. Let's go to the second Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? Well, I'm glad the NBA has found some silver linings after Adam Silver did issue out that memo uh, in the preseason. Some distress Distractions maybe for West's 49ers as defensive lineman Charles Amenahu was arrested early on Monday morning on the suspicion of domestic violence. Charles was released after he posted bail. He also did leave uh, with a restraining order upon his release. The case will be submitted to the Santa Clara County District Attorney's offices for possible charges. Wes, you came in talking a big bad game that y'all going to Philly and come away with an NFC championship. This is a distraction. Does this worry you about your Niners going on the road into a hostile environment with a rookie unproven quarterback on the road and coming away with a win? You hear all the backhanded compliments he's giving, man. Well, it's what, just hilarious. Where was there a backhanded compliment? Talking about Purdy, you listed all the... I would agree. I don't think they're compliments, yeah, actually. Yeah, you're talking about what the this and that and that and that. I mean, with the quarterback that's been uh, undefeated since he was a starter. He's won two playoff games. He's been playing fantastic football. So, you know, prior to the Dallas game, Four straight games with over 35 points, but people seem to be forgetting that. So, no, it's not a distraction. Yes, the 49ers are going to Philly. We don't care about or they don't care about playing in that environment. Philadelphia's perennial chokers outside of the one year that they did win a championship. Don't get me started, man, because I'm already starting to crank up as everyday passes. Every time I see Nick Sirianni talking trash in the camera and doing all that stuff, wearing a Meek Mill chain after the game, I, I'm oh, just, he, he, by he Sunday is, come 2.30, I'm going to be like, yeah. It's only Tuesday, people. What? You know what I'm saying? I'm cranking up every day. Every I, day. I do want you to know, Wes, I might be handing you out backhanded compliments 
or comments. Right. I want y'all to kick the Eagles' ass on Sunday. Well, you know what I told you about that in the room. I can't say it in the radio, <laughs> but we do not welcome we do not welcome your support. I told you where you could put your support. Okay. Um, Wes tells us where Fitty can put his support. Coming up next, Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 <laughs> FM. Jay-Z, I'm back, you're back. Wesson Walker, WFNZ, 92.7 FM. And I know it, folks, this coaching search can be quite tiresome until the Panthers find their guy. But we're back talking more about this coaching search. And you can find us everywhere, man. Text us on the text line, 704-570-9610. You can follow us on Twitter, which we need a lot. Walk, I'm going to put it on you this time. I was about time. to say, you, it, how does this work Can you spell now? it this time? Can right. you, I, I'm having a hard time. I, I got a little bit of amnesia. Okay. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best. Okay. 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 W. Uh-huh. E-S. Yeah. A-N-D. Okay. W-A-L-K-E-R. Okay. Yes. Let's get it. Wesson Walker. Come on. Man. Get us up there, man. Every um, thousand followers. Yeah. I was about to say, do I do the goal here, too? I, I don't want to put a design in my head, though. It would look a lot worse than if you did it. Okay. Like, I, right. Let's just give you the design in your head, or let's just allow you to do whatever at 2,000 follows. That's what we can do. Okay. Well, whether it's, uh, you know, intentional or, you know, by design, <laughs> Matt Rule is back out here chirping again. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's talking that talk, man. He's talking about Steve Wilkes, and he calls him an elite head coaching prospect that the Panthers, you know, should consider more than these fancy new coordinators. So, Fitty, we got that sound for the people. Can we play him with uh, Matt Rule speaks? He's talking again, folks. I think Steve, when, right around him after about a month, I remember saying to him, like, hey, you know, I don't know what will happen here, but if I can ever help you in this, because I just could tell his leadership and his command. And so, like, you know, they're going to go through the head coaching searches right now. and co- They just went through it in college. You're going to go through it in the NFL, and they're going to talk about all these really cool coordinators. And, like, it's completely different. Like, things you deal with as a head coach, especially in the NFL, you're dealing with the GM. You're dealing with the owner. You're dealing with, you know, player issues. You're dealing, you're dealing with all these things. You're dealing with game management. You're dealing with situational football. Steve, is, I think, is great at all those things. I think he's an elite head coach. He has experience. Now, this was a guy that took credit. For what Steve Wilkes did, and now he's coming out singing his praises. He's elite. He's this. He's that. All right, Walker, so do you think, do you agree with Matt Rule? But first, let's just talk about, what do you think about this uh, change, this about face that he's done, and now all of a sudden Wilkes is the second coming of Vince Lombardi? To me, if you're going to criticize Matt Rule about the comments in the past about Steve Wilkes, wanting to take charge, wanting to... Or, or maybe with Matt Rule's lack of accountability, I think he's being accountable here and actually doing something about Steve Wilkes, right? And we did see him have a comment about Cam Newton, where I think there was some accountability there, where he discussed how he threw Cam Newton under the bus one time, saying that they shouldn't have thrown some bubble screen on an option play, and Cam Newton was the guy that did that. And he actually took up for his OC at the time and Jeff Nixon, who had taken over for Joe Brady. And Matt Rule said he felt awful throwing Cam Newton under the bus to the media. And he apologized to Cam. And he continues to say just how much of a grinder Cam Newton is. And that's something I have always appreciated about Matt Rule. You can roll your eyes. It's annoying. 
Matt Rule has been a big old talker ever since that he uh, left that job or that he was fired, I should say, from the Panthers head coaching job. Elite. But I do think that this is some some redeeming stuff about him. Like if you're even if you wanted to try to take credit for what Steve uh, Steve Wilkes was doing, the fact that you're taking up for him now, okay. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, you could take it with a grain of salt if you want to, mm-hmm. but I like it from Mad Rule. The fact that he was accountable about saying, hey, that was my bad with my comments that one time about Cam Newton. I like that accountability. Ultimately, he's gone, and we can discuss this because he's out here talking big time about the Panthers, and it is interesting stuff. But I, I, I don't think that this was the worst thing in the world from Matt Rule. If we're looking for accountability, I think there were examples of him showing that in this podcast, Busting with the Boys. Well, and I also think that there's no bigger endorsement that he could give, give him than the fact that he's on his coaching staff to begin with. I don't think Rule will have guys on his staff that he didn't believe in, that he didn't think were good coaches, and perhaps eventually going to become good head coaches. So I think that his endorsement of Wilkes is great. It's, it's falling in line with a lot of the legendary players and uh, the current players, and now we can add Rule to the list. So, uh, Fiddy, what do you think about all this? Uh, I I think it's very interesting because Matt Rule is a guy that, as when the Panthers started winning, said he, you know he was a part of the process that built them to the type of team that they were come December, where they were competing for a division title, and it just really seemed uh, like a bunch of crap because Steve Wilkes did more in two months than he did in two and a half years. I I think this is just Matt not wanting. I, I think he knows how he's being remembered here in Carolina. Because he is a coach that I, I believe listens to the media more than he'll, he's willing to let on, and he's trying to get back in the good graces, knowing that look, my time there is done, but I don't want to be remembered as just a complete abject failure. Because he will spin this into saying I was so bad, I get to them, Steve Wilkes. Well, and you're so right about him listening to the media. I mean, Matt Rule has referenced too many things that were talking points, <laughs> not only from WFNZ, but from Panthers Twitter. A hundred percent. Absolutely. He absolutely listens to the media. Do you think that this is maybe him conceding to the fact that he knows that Wilkes did a better job at this than he did? Oh, I don't think that. Oh, yeah. He's got too much of an ego. No, but, but question, no, yeah. I got you. I just don't think that. I think what Matt Rule is doing is trying to give him some credit but there's still not going to be any self-deprecation here. Like if it was Matt Rule, he, I, I think I, I think Matt Rule still feels like he deserved a longer opportunity than what he got. As much as I don't think that, a lot of people disagree with that notion. I guarantee you Matt Rule still feels like he should have gotten a longer opportunity where Rome wasn't built in a day. We can go to the Jay-Z quote where it took seven years to build an empire. Yeah. I still think he subscribes to that. And then David Tepper said, hola, o Vito. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. Well, what do you think? What do you think Wilkes brings that these offensive coordinators don't bring? I mean, we know the experience, but are there any other intangibles or any other things from an X and O standpoint that you feel like he? has an advantage over these guys. Well, that's the thing. It's you got to compare it to the defense. Mm-hmm. Offensively, the coordinators bring all sorts of stuff Steve Wilkes doesn't bring, right? Like Steve Wilkes just isn't an offensive guy. You want the young offensive mind, whether you're working with an excellent system in the Giants organization because of what Dayball has brought there, because of what Philadelphia has done under Nick Sirianni. But then when you compare him to the defensive-minded candidates, Really only D'Amico Ryans, and I know Evero is is getting some look with the Broncos and being the D.C. I just don't think he's going to get the job right now. I think other names are out in front of him. D'Amico, even with him not even being a part of the Carolina Panthers search anymore, 
what would he bring that is different from D'Amico and vice versa? That's where it gets a little troublesome. But I think Steve Wilkes is the only defensive mind that is going to have a shot at this job. D'Amico Ryan's ain't going to get it anymore because logistics just didn't work out. He was preparing for the playoffs. He's still doing it. So I don't think that's going to happen. That's the problem, right? It's the fact that everybody else that you're hiring potentially as the head coach, they bring with them in concrete an offensive philosophy. Steve Wilkes is out here shooting up a flare saying, yo, I can still bring in something different offensively with my OC hire. Maybe that's Frank Reich. Maybe that's somebody else. Hell, let's find the next Ben Johnson. I don't know where he is, but I'm looking for him. And, and, and maybe he can bring somebody in like that. But that's the thing. You bring in an offensive mind as a head coach to have that stability and control over him not going anywhere else. The OC, they have an opportunity to go to any other franchise they want to. If they're looking for a head coach and you want to keep that in here, you want to keep that here in the city as long as possible. So that's what they bring. It's just them being in concrete and an offensive mind where Steve Wilkes has to go get an OC that could leave at any moment. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think Wilkes, you know, his defensive prowess, his attachment to the guys, and then, you know, if he can bring in the right coordinator, I think that will help fix a lot of the perception about him as far as him not being, you know, offensive, so to speak. But listen, we're getting ready to talk about in the next segment after we get back, Armando Baycott, Fitty's guy. He's balling this year. He's a walking double-double. Okay, so is he a national player of the year candidate in your eyes? And is he an all-timer when you talk about ACC big man? That's next on Wesson Walker on WFNZ 92.7. 704-980. Let's go.